Friends, there's a lot to report on what's happening at the front lines of faith. Having just returned from Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine, we've seen firsthand how the Church is stepping up in amazing ways to serve and save those being driven out of Ukraine by Putin's war. These pastors, congregations, and volunteers have put themselves on the line for the gospel and for their fellow man. We need to support them. The interview you'll hear today is one of those amazing servants. The day before I returned to America, he and his wife were in a life-threatening collision that obliterated their SUV when it was crushed by a semi cutting across their stretch of highway. We rushed to their side and spent an anxious day in a Romanian emergency room. Thankfully, these dear friends escaped with their lives and most of their bones intact. But the healing will be slow. Please keep Pastor Doreen and his wife Nicoletta in your prayers, and please give generously today to help their work through our Serve Ukraine project. We need you to step up right away. And now, to the program. Today on Compassion Radio. You know, the interaction with refugees is so emotional because they come to our place, they find smiley faces and uh, a bed and food. And the first thing all of them do is start crying. They tell you their stories, how they came here. And some of them said, we thought we'll be back in a couple of days or hours. But now we realize we are here. Hmm. And today we see the birthday. It's a lady coming from Ukraine and she started to cry. We celebrated her saying happy birthday to you. I'm sure she'll never forget this birthday. In almost 79 years of ministry, there's never been a time like this, and there are ways to do kingdom work like never before, if we're willing to do it. Hi, Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio. After the bombs started falling on Ukraine, we reached out immediately to our ministry partners throughout Eastern Europe to find out how they were preparing. We all sensed that a major refugee crisis was not far away, but the severity of it and the speed at which millions fled the fighting was truly astounding. So we turn to a good friend who is suddenly very much at the center of the action. What is a youth missionary and pastor in a sleepy backwater of Romania to do when their frontier is suddenly overrun with the frightened and desperate? Well, he gets moving. And fast. As a national director for sports, music, and school outreach for Josiah Venture, he was already a very busy man. Doreen Dumitrascu is that man, and he holds the keys to today's story. I caught up with him shortly before I departed for his country on a planning and action trip. Doreen and his church in Galatz, Romania, are a shining example of ministry done right in a crisis. We'll pick up the conversation here in the middle of our discussion on those upcoming plans. First off, I just want you to know every time I think of Romania and I think of Galatz, you are first on my mind and I'm praying for you every time. So I did not expect to be calling for this reason, but I just, I missed you. So just know that you're prayed for very often. Thank you so much. We really need prayers, especially in this time, because it's unbelievable what's going on. Nobody expected a war like this one. Yes. But here we are. Okay. Are you now National Director of All Things, or where do you fit in JV? In JV, my role now is to coordinate highways, which is uh, sports, music, and uh, schools. I'm Director for Outreach Romania. Okay. And these things are all ramping up again to full activity this year? Not all of them, because uh, as you know, pandemic hit us. Schools uh, were unable to be reached. We couldn't end the schools for the last two years. 
which means we started to create uh, different forms of getting in touch with teenagers and high schoolers in Romania, especially age sports. It's a ministry that is growing rapidly in Romania because uh, all teenagers love to play football. Yeah. It's great. Well, good. I'll be praying that many more opportunities open up for you on that front. I'm coming, so I'll be in Bucharest for one night at the end of March 7. The next morning, we'll catch the next connection up to Yasi. We'll try to hire a driver to get us across into Moldova and then back across into Romania on the border. I need to try to network as fast as possible with people who might be able to use some of the expertise that this organization has. I'm working with a group called ConscienceInternational.org, and you're welcome to look them up on the Internet. They specialize in medical intervention and things that the big organizations can't do. They send strike teams into places like Syria, Iraq, and do neurosurgeries for war victims, prosthesis for war victims, children, and all kinds of medical projects. So they work inside of hospitals or outside of them. But they try to find where the best use of their talent is going to be, whether it's going to be in construction for rehabilitation of communities that were wiped out by natural disaster, those kind of things. But they're a small organization, so they're not going to pick off the first wave of people coming across in Poland. We both felt that the unattended areas where they have the least involvement for international organizations will probably be straight north of you and across the border in Moldova. I know there's at least, what, 50 or so thousand per country that have already come into you. Yeah. So my first question to you is, is JV involved with any of that relief work on the borders right now? Yes, JV is connected with uh, helping uh, Ukrainians get accommodated and also with refugees. And JV has meetings every day at 6 o'clock our time for um, operation meetings to see exactly the situation from day to day. Good. And you're involved because of your reach across these different programs. Have they tasked you to do certain things in this project? Mostly I'm doing a refugee ministry because of my church is situated in Galatz, which right. is close, like a strategic place for borders. So our local city is connected to Moldova and Ukraine. Right. And some of them come through Moldova, and uh, it's harder because they had to cross two borders. Right. But very many people are coming through Isakja, which is like 50 kilometers away from our city. Yesterday, they bombed 20 kilometers from the border. Hmm. It's a huge mass of people coming from last night and today. And we expect the number to grow rapidly. Okay, the people that are coming, will these mostly be Odessans? Yes, in this region. And are they having any trouble getting across Transnistria? I think they don't go through Transnistria because Transnistria is very close to Russia. They're going around the southern tip then, coming up below you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I wondered about that. I studied the map a couple of days ago, and I knew that the assault would soon be coming for Odessa. What routes they would have, or if there was any way to get across them? I speak daily with people uh, coming from Odessa region, and they say they bombed Odessa at the beginning, but now it seems like nothing happens there. It's like this for a couple of days, but I think Putin is waiting for conquering Mariupol and mm. all the cities above. And after that, he'll come down because he wants to have access where the Danube flows into the Black Sea, which means very close to Galatz, my city. Right. Okay, so you're expecting there to be much more coming toward you through that very southern tip of Ukraine, right across the river from you. How are they getting across? Well, um, in the first day, rich people who afford to travel by their car, they came and they transited our city, maybe slept for one night, and they went in uh, different parts of Europe. Now, it seems like poorer people, they come by buses till uh, up to the border, and they cross, they walk the border, and they go into a tent on Romanian land. And from that tent, we take them, transport them to our city or to other centers, and we feed them and so on. And they're trying to move as quickly as they can through Romania to the rest of the Eurozone, or where are they trying to get to? 
Yeah, they want to go to their friends. You know, only ladies are allowed to travel now. They come here and they connect with people from different countries. They have relatives in Poland, most of them. The border with Poland is very busy. Yes. They come through Odessa, through Galatia, and after that they take a train to Suciawa, which is the north county of Galatia, and after that they go to Poland. Some others, for instance, we had two ladies this morning. They decided to move to Belgium because they have some relatives there. Okay. We have a number of people we're trying to get through into Budapest where they have friends, and so we're trying to coordinate some of that. But apparently all the bridges now between Kiev and then down south, the Odessa Road, for probably a good 200 kilometers or more, all the bridges are gone now. Yeah. So they're having to swing down the south and try to cross over to head west again. It's very precarious. And they can't find fuel, of course, so they'll be on their feet for the next few days. You expect there to be more because of the position that these people are in. What is the population like, as far as you know, on that west end of the oblast around Odessa that would be pushed your direction? What do you think the max potential is for people that would come through you? It's hard to say, but I would say hundreds and hundreds of people every day will cross through this border. Even now, maybe thousands of people a day, because they bombed uh, very close to the border. People are very afraid. And their mind is like this. We come maybe for one week or two, and after that we'll go back to our country. This is their mindset, but I don't think it's a realistic plan. No. Some of them already came into Romania, and they call their families, friends, and they say, come, it's safer for you to be here. So it's something very fluid. We don't know exactly. It's hard to predict. Numbers change from hour to hour. Okay, what kind of relief work or help are you providing through the church and through JV where you are now? We provide a bed, which means our church became a a big dorm. Mm -hmm. We provide food. And praise God for um, a lot of uh, restaurants in our city who uh, provide free food for refugees. Amen. Like a hub, we connect our church with the border and with restaurants. And we try to keep them just one day or two day maximum because we want to, to keep our church for others. And we are connected with churches around Galats, around other cities, and we send them there. Because we want this place to be just a transit place yes. to as many people as possible. And they have plans with the national government to find deeper in-country places for refugee camps? I think Romania is organizing now. I just received the news that they will ask all the papers when they cross the border into Romania. Because human trafficking is growing now. There are a lot of yes. people who profit from the war. And they will uh, put everybody in a bus and they will come to our place, our church, by bus. Not as now we send cars to the border to bring them. It seems like the government wants to organize better, which is a good thing, I'd say. Since we spend our first night in Bucharest and then up to Yasi, how far is the drive from both those cities to you? From Bucharest is like four hours. Okay. And from Yasi? Uh, from Yasi, it's three, about three hours, yeah. It didn't look like there was much in the way of mountains or things, so it should be fairly quick to drive it. Yeah, I think it's... So the last three days or so that we're there, you'll be back in country. Maybe we can work out a time if we have other questions answered up north, we could swing by and see you before we leave, if possible. Love to meet you in person, if possible. Yes, I would love to see you and see what's happening at the church now. And how many people in your church have volunteered to step up and be part of housing refugees? We don't encourage so much people to take refugees in their houses because, you know, we don't know exactly who they are. Mm, yes. Some of them are Christians, and we take them as they are. So I'd say at this point, maybe five or six families had uh, refugees in their houses. Okay. We tried to keep the church as a place, and we have volunteers there working 
and staying overnight supervised because they can't even during the night. And somehow it's hard to send them in the families because you, you need to keep a family awake for a whole night. Yeah, that's hard. When we walked along the river there, yeah. I could not remember if there were bridges that went across there or if they have to take ferries across. No, there are not bridges. One of the biggest bridges in Romania is starting to build between Enbrila and mm -hmm. the Danube. But it's not done yet. So we cross the Danube by ferry boats now. Okay. And those boats are pretty crowded then with these refugees. Oh, yeah. Yes. Can you think for me, after we get offline here, of anybody that you have up country from you that I should be connecting with? And maybe text me or email me to let me know who I should try to contact. Because we're going to try to find medical clinics or hospitals and or refugee intake centers that we can find a way to help staff or send specialists to them or send supplies. And the same thing would be true of any organizations or hospital or clinics near you or through the church even that might be able to use some more expertise or people to come help in the months to come and send those leads to me. Yes. Okay. So close to our place is another city called Brela and we have a Christian clinic there. We are friends and I can connect you very easily with Diaconia Clinic. Okay. The best place to go to see the, the refugee movement in Romania would be Suchava. I think 10 times crowded than the Galats border. Right. And I have connections there. I can um, arrange to meet with people who do this day by day, who stay there and help. So I'm sure we can connect with uh, hospitals. Please do. In fact, we tried to find a way to fly in there, but the connections were like one time a day out of Istanbul. We had originally had scheduled to fly into Chisinau. And then the day after we booked our tickets, then the president closed the airspace. So they canceled our flights. The closest we could get in the time frame we had between our international flight back to the U.S. and the time in country was to go to Bucharest first and then on Riyashi. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to contact us today. Are there any other things that we should know from you about what we should expect in arriving there or the needs that you know that Romania has or that you working with Moldova have? Your clinic nearby in Brila sounds very interesting to me, and I would love to see that work. What should we understand before we go? I think people are afraid, even in Romania, of Putin and of his plans because we experience communism and the Russia influence. A lot of people are afraid of him and of this nuclear weapon threaten. People are very scared. Yes. Yeah, I don't know exactly how things will go, but we need a lot of uh, wisdom, encouragement, and yeah, to be ready to understand that if Putin succeeds in Ukraine, probably uh, Moldova will be the next target, which means a lot of Moldovians will need refugees in Romania. Okay, I'll pray against that too, and I'll pray that we'll be prepared for it if it happens. I never thought about you being on the front lines, but I can understand how that could happen soon. Yeah, we cannot believe what's going on. Sometimes I ask myself, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. unbelievable. Well, you know, the interaction with refugees is so emotional because they come to our place, they find smiley faces and uh, a bed and food, 
And the first thing all of them do is start crying. They tell you their stories, how they came here. Some of them come with their pets, dogs and cats in our church, sleeping with them. Wow. Yeah, and some of them said we didn't plug out any electronic in our house because we thought we'll be back in a couple of days or hours. But now we realize everything is plugged in and our heating system is working and we are here. And some are leaving their cars at the border because it's faster for them to cross the border walking. So they come here and realize, I've got a key in my pocket. So this is unbelievable. And today we see the birthday. It's a lady coming from Ukraine and she started to cry. We celebrated her saying happy birthday to you. I'm sure she'll never forget this birthday. Unfortunately, that's probably true. But I'm glad that you were there to lift her spirit a bit. Yeah. There'll be many more of those kind of strange introductions that you'll have in the days to come. Talk to me as a pastor now, Doreen. When you are encountering a refugee, what does God put on your heart and in your head when you first meet somebody from Ukraine? Yeah, um, a combination. Now I became a manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inside my heart is for a pastor. First of all, I want to, to see the process going smoothly and people organizing things as possible, people being helped. But as I see people entering our church, I try to connect with them. Some of them don't speak English right. or Romanian. So I need a translator. It's enough to say we are so sorry for what you are experiencing to start a deep conversation. Mm. And they start to tell your story. And after a couple of minutes, it's time for us to pray. And what I do is start to pray for that person. And it's very inspiring and it's very motivating for a person to be prayed over. Yeah. What kind of things has God led you to pray over these people as they're in front of you? Yeah, uh, first of all, I would say pray for peace Mm. and pray for good connections after they leave our city, our church. And uh, I'm praying for uh, a safe place to be led into. And also I'm praying for their husbands to be protected against war. Mm. And this is their prayer. Last Sunday... We had a young lady with uh, two children and also a very big family with 12 children. They both were Christians. I invited them on stage in our church and asked this young lady because she spoke Romanian. And she started to say, my little girls are asking me every day, why is not their father with us? This is Yulia, this mother, trying to explain to five and two years old little girls that their father stays home to fight for the country. We are praying for protection and we are praying for lives to be protecting and for men to be strong. Yes, and men to be the kind of men God made them to be. Yeah. And at the same time, his angels would come to their defense and defeat evil before it comes close to them. Amen. Yes, I understand. You want to pray for a thousand things at once. But God always seems to narrow your heart down to pray something specific for that person because he knows that's what their heart is ready for. Yeah, all right. How do we pray for you and your team at the church? Oh, we do pray for uh, emotional strength. It's very consuming. We cannot sleep. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5, and sometimes the phone is ringing because people are crossing the border uh, whenever in the night. So pray for protection, emotional protection. It's very hard to handle this hard situation, broken families, and all of this suffering, which is huge. Yes. Pray for finances, because we need to take care of them. And we are doing fundraising with um, everybody we know. We're creating uh, stories and clips, and we send to people, because we want to involve everybody who wants to take part. Also pray for sharing the gospel. Today we had a meeting, and 
one of our pastors decided to create a special room for counseling these people who stays in in our church so what we are going to do is to to invite them for a time if they are family we invite them all together we want to sing with them if they are christians if not we will sing over them hmm. we will listen to their stories and then we want to pray for them so pray for wisdom pray for holy spirit's guidance to speak into their lives and we realize this is a key time in these people's life we are sure they will not forget this experience and we pray for lasting fruits from this experience with with our church we pray that god's word will be so powerful spoken through our mouths so that they they can be strengthened or know jesus for this experience that's very good Doreen, I remember when we walked through the administrative offices at your church that I was surprised to see so many services available in the church that I would recognize at very large mega churches in America. If they were in a suburb or a, an urban area, they had things like counseling centers, they had programs for different age groups, because you were an anchor in Galatz. You were a place of refuge already. For people that were not being taken care of by the government, they could come to you. You were a safe house. You have much practice in this. And I was very encouraged, and so was my wife, Sandy, to see that you were committed to a godly counseling model for helping people to find God's word for them and not just tell them what they needed to do, that the spirit of kindness and real compassion was already in the people that were serving there. So we'll definitely pray that God will leverage that and increase your effectiveness. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything else that you can tell us that we should be able to relay to our listeners here in America? We want to thank you all. And we, we receive emails and phone calls and messages from all the channels. And we understand that everybody is moved. And we, we want to thank you. And we realize we are in the front line, but we are not alone. And we want yeah. to thank everybody who is connecting with us, praying for us, thinking of us, sending emails, asking about the situation. And it's very encouraging for us, the church here at the border with, of Ukraine. It's very encouraging. Thank you all for everything you are doing, praying, thinking, donating towards ministry. May I pray over you for a couple of minutes? Yes. Okay. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you so much for my brother, Doreen. His ministry has been multifaceted for all the years I've known him. Every time I ask him what his main thing is, he keeps telling me about another thing you put on his heart. You've made the man capable of holding many things in his heart at the same time. It must be absolutely full at this moment. And I hope it's full to overflowing too, Lord. Whatever Doreen needs and whatever the pastors there at the church in Galatz need to be able to minister effectively, but to know your presence in the middle of all this chaos to be healing and light and salt, that you would fill them to overflowing so that those who sit with them, just by being with them, would be healed, would be spoken to, would be loved. He's asked us to pray that they would be able to speak the gospel well, and Lord, they're already doing that. Their hands and their smiles and their open doors speak your gospel so loudly. I pray that because of that love, that your true gospel, the presence of Jesus himself would be present with every person, whether they think they've seen Jesus or not, that they would have seen that in the lives of the people that Doreen and his pastors serve. Lord, use that little town at the very bottom of Romania, right across the border from Ukraine, to do incredible spiritual warfare and to drive back the plans of evil and the spirits that lead them. Help them to be a place of refuge. And I pray especially that as Doreen now goes to England and other parts of Western Europe to follow through with meetings that you ordained months ago, that while he's there in this time of crisis, that you would open the floodgates of support and love and prayer 
and empower your kingdom across these countries where he will visit to step up and be part of what you are doing in that part of the world. Yes, I agree, Lord, that Galatz, Eastern Romania, and this church in Galatz, and the church that Doreen serves, they are on the front lines already. Spiritually, they're on the front lines. The front lines of war may be at their doorstep and across the river soon, too. We don't know. But I would ask that it would not approach them closely, that they would be safe in the work they do, and that great stories of incredible miracles and love in action and your people rising up to serve you and empowered by your spirit to do things they never thought they could, that those stories would live on and speak to our hearts so we can rise up with them. Lord, this is a great time of arising for the kingdom of God around the world. And I'm so thankful that this church is on the front lines of that because I know you've entrusted them. You prepared them for such a time as this. You have blessed them. You have given them integrity. You've given them the willingness to sacrifice. Bless them for it and bring it back to them a hundredfold, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your prayer and for your encouragement you are giving to us and to me. I feel very encouraged after this. And I love you for what you do. I'm praying covering over you and your family as you go. Thank you, Barb. Yeah, these are very hard times. But we know God is in control and he knows exactly everything. May he give you peace. I know that you'll be tested in many ways emotionally and that there are so many that are already suffering from PTSD and the stresses that the body can't release. May God give you wisdom and discernment on how to put those things on the altar so that you don't crumble within, but that his pneuma lifts you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for making time for me. Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.